Good morning on this Monday, May 6, 2019. Just sitting here, listening to the Lord, seeking Him, praying for to know Him and for direction. And as I was going through the scripture, the Word of God ran, uh, come across, excuse me, Let's spend that morning coffee. Uh, got reminded of uh, the Sermon on the Mount over in Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> and Lord allowed a grieving, uh, shared a part of his grieving and his grieving over the pervertedness of uh, his teaching. Regarding the narrow and the uh, wide gate. Over in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. We are told. Now these are the words of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. This was like his longest sermon. I don't know of any American. I only know if I could do it myself. That would actually sit or stand. Actually I believe they were standing. through, Because you figure the entire sermon went from Matthew chapter 5. All the way through seven. No break. Didn't mention a potty break. This was more than a 20 to 30 minute sermon. See, we don't know uh, that sermon. In the Old Testament, uh, when the word of the law was found, when it got pushed aside and covered over by worldly things, uh, worldly paperwork, worldly ways of doing things, the word of the law back then was the, uh, the Jewish, the Torah, the book of the law, which was the uh, that God gave to Moses. And for we know that is the first five books of our Bible, Genesis, Exodus. Ah, memory. Uh, I'm doing this on memory without looking it up. I may have to look, go to the table of contents. Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Ooh, I got them. I checked myself. Anyways, um, when they started reading the book of the law, they didn't read portions of it. They read the whole thing, and they stood for it. I don't know anybody that in, the, in those priests that or leaders that read that didn't speak so fast, so they didn't understood it. But I'm sure they didn't speak slow either. Um, you figure that's definitely more than a couple hours to speak that. If you speak in a normal um, tone of voice, you want to speak slow to understood, but same token, you don't want to speak so slow that you sound like a robot either. Um, because that's not the intent of the Word of God. But kind of small off. And let's you figure, looking at this one, Matthew, this pretty much sums up the whole Word of God. You know, I recommend we go through it now and then and study it. Don't just read the words, Matthew 5 through 7. But let's go ahead and go back to this one where it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. Destruction means hell, people. Like it or not, you got so many ministers out there that have so watered down the gospel 
uh, you know, there's a time to water down things of this world. You kind of, if you're in a cleaning area, you can um, dilute it a little bit without losing its effectiveness, cleaning effectiveness and deodorizing effectiveness in order to get uh, lo longer lasting or use out of the product. Uh, any true cleaner will tell you that. In food service, there are things that you can water down to make it stretch to make it last because there are things that we know in food service that you water down forget it you just lose the taste the gospel is like one of those things that cannot be watered down it is what it is jesus came to earth for one purpose only um to suffer and die at the cross to teach repentance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand he is the kingdom of heaven that to suffer and die on the cross um to be buried on the third day, rise up again, and then four days later to return back to his throne from where he came from. Uh, and to tell people he is the way. John 14, 6 says, he is the narrow gate, he is the way. Um, it uses gate because a lot of times we are referred to as God's sheep. But yeah, that definitely have gone astray. By the follow after our fleshly natures, um, use a gate too because at nighttime all the shepherds would bring their particular sheep, however many. Some had a lot, some had a little. Stop comparing, think, oh well, that must be a blessed church because it has, you know, a thousand members, or this one only has um, a hundred, this one has fifty. It ain't the number. It is the gospel being preached there and taught. Are disciples of Jesus Christ being made or are disciples of whoever that man is on the pulpit or is it disciples of the world? That related but not. Uh, you can always enter through another way. So the broad gate is the way of the world. The things of the world, the teaching of the world, uh, <clears throat> those things that are frivolous and meaning meaningless. Those things that are taught from either a pulpit or a podium or an auditorium that is all related to the world. It's how to make money, how to have a big house, how to have a big mansion, you know, how to be successful. That stuff's all related to the uh, broad gate. Jesus didn't come to teach that stuff. He is the way. If Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is not being taught as the fulfillment as the Lamb of God, that's the ultimate Lamb. No matter you don't come anymore and say, "Well, you got to sacrifice this Lamb," or "Well, you got to you know lay yourself down." It's just like, uh, yeah, we do. We lay our will down for His, <coughs> His will, which is Jesus Christ. And that's what we have to share. That's the that's what we work through, the narrow gate. When we're on the narrow path, our work is no longer trying to work as many hours as possible to get money. Uh, there's the work by the power and strength of Jesus Christ, by Him, His Holy Spirit, by um, it, to glorify the Father in heaven. Now they are all one, one God. 
God the Father with three characteristics of him. God the Father as Father, as Son, who is Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. All working together. Just like 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Every one of those gifts are still relevant today. Anybody that says otherwise doesn't know the Jesus Christ of the Bible. Um, it's just like, I've heard it. and Some just may not be intentionally saying it. Some just get confused. Um, or whatever. Or forget. Or they don't study in context. When we study the scripture and read the scripture, we just can't read one verse and say, Okay, we'll take that one today. What's it mean? What did God tell you to mean? What's the context of it? The context is this sermon in the mouth out there. If you go a couple of verses down, which should kind of make every one of us shake in our booties. Um, 21, verses 21 through... Um, 23, 21 alone says, Not everyone... Who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons? And in your name perform any miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me who practice all of this. That's the key, to know him and be known by him. That's the like. That's the same thing. You say a little prayer, then you go out doing your stuff. Let's practice lawlessness. Does that mean we live by the law as the Old Testament? Uh, no. But the law, when we study the law, when we study the words of God, they expose what's missing in our lives. It exposes the sin that has separated us from, from God, from hearing God and from obeying God. Uh... And then at that point, it brings forth genuine repentance. You're turning from it and saying, God, I've been going that way all of my life and most of my life. I need to stop it. And he turns us around. If repentance is no longer being taught and spoken of as a necessary to get to Jesus Christ, you know, we all need to repent and confess before, before Jesus Christ. And we all will. When he gets to there, it's just a turning around. If repentance is not being taught from churches anymore and those who follow it, then you're you're not on the narrow path. You're on the broad path. It's just like, oh man, this is bringing me memory. It's just like, recently I heard a discussion. We were in a short discussion of, you know, old style preachers that, we pro that preach that. Are we so foolish to not go back and study kind of some of those revivals when repentance, right now re repentance and confession, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ was actually preached from puppets. There was more genuine salvations occurring then than now. Our good works cannot get us in there. Going to church does not make it safe. Saying, repeat these words after me, that doesn't get us safe. The words that we speak comes forth from our hearts and our spirits. Our hearts, not our 
emotional like seat. It's Kadea as in Romans 10, 9 and 10, 10. It's the center of our being where our emotions and everything all resigned. It's not our emotions per se being stirred up. It's God's Holy Spirit giving us the words that's making us born again. Believing in Jesus Christ. If he's not doing the work, if he's not done the work that leads to salvation, yes, he uses us as his body. It's no longer about a physical temple. Uh, Windows are steaming. Uh, about a physical temple on earth. Every single building can go away, and we're so stupid and foolish. Yeah, I use the word stupid. Uh, the, the foolish to think, oh, well, you, we can't go to church uh, unless we have a building to go to. Man, you got people in other nations where God is adding to his church. The true church is not a building. We shouldn't need a building to worship God. We don't have to go to a building to worship God. The government will say, because they're under the prince of this world, who is Satan, right now. We're given that authority temporarily. God's still in ultimate control to say, oh no, you have to be a registered government approved organization before you can have church. That is so stupid. That's the broad way of teaching. The government's not our approval, the Word of God is our approval. It's the same thing just a couple of verses back in this Sermon on the Mount in the same chapter, verses 7. How many foolish people, and they are foolish when they quote, Oh, do not judge. They ain't quote that verse because that's Satan telling them, Oh, do not judge so that you will not be judged. Man, they don't even know what that means. Next time somebody tells you that saying, uh, Why don't you listen to Jesus Christ? By his spirit speak and go to the next verse. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured by you. If we're looking at, first of all, we don't go in, we shouldn't. Now we do because it's human nature. But we're making a judgment every single time. What you're going to have for dinner tonight, you just made a judgment. You're judging, do I have hot dogs or do I have pizza? Okay, that's me. Uh, we go out to a Starbucks or if I go to Chili's and I see that cookie damn that's why I don't go to Chili's that often I can't say no <laughs> okay that's a weakness uh, they must sound like foolish examples but it brings it down to basic it's just like do we really foolish enough to make it but when the standard of measure if the word of God, the whole word of God from Genesis to Revelation, it's all still relevant today to, to the same. Oh, well, they went into the synagogue. That was an example of the true church. They also lost it because they disobeyed God. <clears throat> There's been two major temples right now. Solomon's and Ezra and Nehemiah's area and Jerubbables. Uh, they're both gone. They're both gone. God allowed them to be taken taken away. The third temple, God ain't even going to sit in. He's not even going to come down. They're allowed to be built, but he's going to allow Satan to sit down and declare he's God. Uh, by the way, he ain't God. He never will be God. 
So, if you keep rejecting Jesus Christ, and you get turned over to Satan, turned over to the time of his reign, the seven-year reign, don't take his mark. If you're told, well, unless you take this mark, the mark of the beast, uh, how it will be worded, I don't plan on being there. Jesus Christ made that clear through his word that he's snatching us up, he's catching us up. Uh, church circles call it the rapture. If you suddenly see millions of people suddenly disappear, uh, I'd st and you're still there, I'd start shaking in your booties, or shoes, or slippers. You have to tell me what time of day it is. If you're, if you're still remaining still left behind, be careful with that one one man that will raise up and that will try and claim unity. The Bible is clear. There's a broad path, broad way, a wide gate. Unity that is being taught today. There's a broad path of peace that's being taught today. A true, genuine believer in Jesus Christ can never totally be one in unity with anyone that's not a believer to other religions. Now, we love them, and we love them so enough that we want to speak the truth. If you just love them and let them go down that same path, that's the same thing as just foolishly sitting there. Exact same thing. We said, well, I love them. I'm going to love my God. Love my God didn't love me, but if you see a, you know, somebody getting ready to fall over a cliff, and you're going to say, well, I love them enough, I'll just pray for them, that God save them. If you're there watching them, more likely God will probably want you to grab their arms so they don't go over that cliff. They may say, well, what are you going to do? Good job. Uh, look where you're going. Oops. Thank you. Most of them will say, thank you. For stopping from going over that cliff. Now you may have a few people say, "Well, I wanted to go over that cliff." That's when you take them out to lunch or dinner or breakfast, to my time of day, and says, "Why? Why did you want to go over that cliff?" So I'm not saying, "Well, that may happen." Actually, somebody may be putting that true, genuine biblical love is. It's finding where God wants you to be, where God is working, and where listening to Him, knowing His voice. When we open the Word of God, we should be saying, when we open the Bible, no matter where it's at, we should be automatically saying, God, don't let me read this according to the flesh. Don't let me read this according to my wisdom and knowledge, because uh, we all have a form of wisdom and knowledge. Lord, I want to know what you want to say, I want to know where I'm supposed to be, I want to know exactly what I speak and to who, put people in my path, let them ask why you work harder than others, why you work, why you strive to not get overtime, if at all possible, it's so foolish and so demonic when say, oh, well this job needs to take you nine, ten hours. That's the devil saying that. That's stealing from your employer. And if you're stealing your employer, you're stealing from, you're taking God for granted. There are times when overtime is necessary to get a job done. If it's short-handed or cover somebody that's out. 
but it should never be a recurring basis. We should not want to so live at work that um, that we don't want to leave, that we want to steal from our employer. If you're stealing from them, then that way you're stealing from them in other ways. If you're stealing from your employer, you're stealing from God. Because everything we have down here, you know, we waste money so another retailer can get rich just so we can pretty up our house, make our house look pretty so we can increase the value of truth here. Nothing we can to pay the house, anything can make our house value. Every single human made thing, whether it be a house, a weapon of mass destruction, uh, an automobile, a recreational vehicle, a camper, they all depreciate. Anything made by our hands will always fade away, wear out, depreciate clothing will wear out, will have to eventually get new ones. When they wear out quicker, that's the devil's work making stuff saying, oh, go ahead, just make it cheaply, cut costs out there so people have to go and buy new again. That's the devil's teaching. Automobiles used to be making, I mean, if you maintain them, tires, oil changes, fuel, cleaning them, when it was warmer weather, you know, they could prolong it or they can make it last a little bit longer, but not forever. Even these bodies are not made because they're made from the material from the earth, the dust of the earth, were not made to go into heaven. These particular, but none of our bodies in this way. The body that Jesus had for 33 years is not the body that went into heaven. The Bible makes a clear distinction that that's a different type of a body. It describes it a little bit. Very few people I know talk about it. Let's not get so focused on the flesh that we interpret the Word of God according to the flesh. The Word of God was written by the Spirit, for the Spirit, for us, to teach us who God is. It's about God. It's about Jesus Christ. Stay, I encourage you, Let's stay on the nail path, stay on Jesus' path, go in the wisdom and knowledge of Him, learn to listen to His voice, hear His voice, walk according to His words. Each and every day, telling people about Him as we go about our day. We're not here to make money, get married, have kids, have babies, and die. Notice marriage went there first. If it slipped up where, oops, then get married. If you have a child outside of marriage, get married. You, you fell in love, you lusted after one another enough to have sex, get married. Well, then get married and let God set it straight again. The devil was very good at messing up God's order. But God is even better through Jesus Christ. Of resetting us back in order, we can get. Now we're gonna get close to the edge of the nail path. We're gonna get tempted by the, the fake prettiness on the wide path, uh, in the wide gate. The 
devil knows how to make things look pretty. He even knows it says over in Corinthians that even he can disguise himself as an angel of light. He's very good at making things look and sound pretty. He takes the word of God. The same thing as with that judgment one. He just takes out one verse. Remember when God gave the word of God to, gave his words to, in this case, Matthew, uh, this 40 authors, 66 books. He did not give it with verses and chapters. He spoke it. They were obedient enough to listen. They either wrote it down or somebody, one of their associates with them, wrote it down. Like a secretary type of thing. That's, you know, we don't know how that happened. The Bible tells you how it got written down or it was written with somebody else's hand. But it was given to, in this case, Matthew, to write it down. Whether they actually wrote it. God probably wouldn't have used me because my handwriting sucks. Um, that's why I try and type stuff. Uh, except my signature. So let's strive to stay on the nail path. I encourage you, if when you feel yourself, not if actually, I almost said if. When you sense that um, you're going off onto, into the Broadway, you can shoot me a text. You can email me, call, leave me a voicemail. I remember where I currently work at in buildings that are secured where I have to watch and I can't always have this phone with me. But if you know me, you know if you send me a message, not only would I pray according to, according to God's word, but I will get back to you eventually. But the first one we need to be looking at is calling the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, I'm being tempted. He's the way of escape. With every temptation comes the way of escape. That's what people, Jesus Christ is the way of escape. The more we listen to his voice, the more we'll learn that with this temptation, uh, this don't sound like what I'm reading in the word of God. This don't look like what Jesus shows us in his word. Jesus, if this is not you, I want to go your way. The more we get used to that, the more Satan's and his tricks, trickery, will be defeated. Does that mean he'll go away, he'll flee from us? Because we see God. James says that. So I encourage you with this. Father God, I pray that we all learn to listen to your voice. I learn to restrain every single day. We don't fall for the deceitfulness um, of the broad path, the broad gate, and all the... Uh, Instead, we strive each and every morning when we get up to say, Lord, I want to stay on the nail path. I don't, you know, when I get tempted, I want to learn to hear your voice and saying, uh, that's a temptation. Continue straying on this path or whatever he will say. I'm not, I'm not God, so I don't know how he will speak to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love y'all.